Welcome to Life Church. If I have not met you yet, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm the executive pastor here at Life Church, and just want to thank Pastor Aaron for the opportunity to speak this weekend. Uh, him and his family doing a little vacation this week on spring break. Anybody have a good spring break? You get out, get a little relaxation in, see a few heads nodding, that's good. Um, also want to welcome our Appleton campus and our online campus, our West campus. Uh, we're one church, multiple locations, and so they're being fed a live stream right now. Just want to welcome them. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, we are in a series called Overwhelmed, and I'm going to continue with that this week, and then Pastor Aaron will conclude that s- this series uh, next weekend. Before we go any further, i got to ask the question, how many of you, and just wait for a second before you answer, because I'm going to ask for a raise of hands, but you would say that you are a, somewhat of a controlling individual. You don't like the word controlling. You prefer the word particular, that you, that you, you, you like things done a particular Way some people have called you maybe a control freak before. I don't, I don't, again, we don't like that. That that sounds like derogatory. But you've been you've been no, you can identify with that. Would you raise your hand? Be brave enough to say that. Ooh, resist the urge to raise the hand of the person next to you. I know that you want to take control right now, but. Um, not enough hands raised, I'll be honest with you. I was expecting more. So let me, let me give you a, a few things that maybe you can identify with. I know it's a little early. You got to get the RPMs going a little bit. Uh, if you, this, this is kind of like you might be a redneck if, except you might be a control freak if. And so if you are the type of person that right when you get into an elevator, you immediately press the door close button. The button that doesn't really do anything, let's be honest. It does, it's just a placebo for the c- control freaks. Um, if you press it more than once, you got major issues. There's differing levels of control freakness. I don't know if you knew that, but there's levels of it. Um, if you've ever had a kid on a leash, uh, I don't even know if you're a control freak. You might just be a weirdo, but that, that's okay. That's another, another sermon. If, if you've never had your dog off of a leash before, you, you might be a control freak. Not as funny, okay. Uh, so y- if you're the one at a, at a restaurant that figures out how the, the check should be split, like you know how that is with a group of people and somebody grabs it, there's always one person that grabs it and takes control of, okay, we got this in the strawberry lemonade, got it, got it, we, okay, and then they're, they're the, the delegate. Um, if you insist that when people come over to your house, if they set a drink on your table, you casually just get out a coaster and set it down next to the cup. <laughs> And you're thinking that that's normal. It's not normal. It's rude. So if you have documented house, if you have documented house rules, you might be a control freak. If the rules are laminated, different level of crazy. Uh, if you have an agenda for family vacations, uh, you might be a control freak. If that agenda turns into a schedule with set times, you've taken it a little bit too far. If when you walk into the living room, your spouse hands you the remote now without you even asking, you might have an issue as well uh, with that. And last but not least, if you help other people drive, you might be a control freak. See, I avoid that one altogether because I just am always the one that drives. So I I can just avoid that situation. I think I heard somebody say amen on that. But um, I'm the type of person that some of you know me better than others, but I would say that, yes, I am somewhat of a controlling uh, type of person. I just like things done a particular way, and it just so happens that it's the right way. So it's, it works out 
awesome for most of, most of my life. But ever since I was a little boy, I was talking to my mom this week, and ever since I was a little boy, I've had some of these tendencies come out that I, I like things done a particular way, whether it's now as an adult, whether it's my lawn, okay, weeds, I mean, go a little bit overboard every once in a while on that. Um, on, uh, during the winter, I don't like the tire marks, um, the ice. At the end of the driveway, I'll call it an ice hump. There's an ice hump at the end of the driveway. I don't do well with the ice hump, and so I'll be out there late at night if I have to, scraping it away like a crazy person. Um, I like planning. Uh, I, I don't like surprises. If you throw a surprise party for me, I'll probably be a little bit like, you know, trying to figure out the details. How did you get this to work or what? I'll, I'll always be asking questions. Uh, it drives my wife crazy. Um, she sits here smirking on the front row, just like, yeah, yeah you're a little bit crazy. Um, I didn't realize how, that's, some of the, sometimes these are blind spots. You don't see that you have these tendencies until you have children. Um, and then you start to see these tendencies come out in your children, and it's like, whoa, this is, this is a real issue that we got going on. I stumbled into my, I won't even say who, one of my kids, you'll figure it out, but one of my kids, I stumbled into their room not too long ago, and I found a couple of pieces of paper that were quite disturbing uh, to me. The first one, I'm going to give it away here, but uh, the first one, she had a, uh, that narrows it down a little bit, if you know my kids, uh, <laughs> She has a diagram for, and you're, you're not going to be able to see this, but just I can prove that this actually exists because um, it'll sound made up, but this is real. Uh, she has a diagram for how her stuffed animals should be laid out on her bed. <laughs> so just wait, gets better. Uh, she actually has two different diagrams that label exactly how her stuffed animals are to be laid out on her bed. And what she will do is she will alternate, alternate days and she has a tally marks going like she's keeping score for which diagram, you know, which arrangement is going to happen on which day. <sighs> Poor thing. So then the, the next list I found was a to-do list for spring break um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, she must have been pretty disappointed that we did not go to Disney World. Um, <laughs> But I had to make sure that she wrote down, make a fort with boxes. So I'll find like little to-do list things that, I mean, she's five years old and she'll have like, remember to do this or remember to do that. She had uh, uh, one just, it was, uh, I won't even go into all the details, but you get the picture. She, she just has some of those tendencies and I don't know whether to laugh or cry about them because I'm like, oh girl, I can help you with this because I've been battling this my whole life. So many, she's like uh, exactly like me when I was little. It's, it's just, it's crazy. But uh, I mean, I say this, you know, somewhat uh, jokingly that, uh, you know, a lot of things I'm talking about are petty little things, little things that we tend to like to take control of. However, I believe that it, how we respond to the little things is often indicative of how we will respond to the bigger things in life. If we have a tendency to take control of all the little details, we will often take control of the bigger things that oftentimes we don't even have any control of whatsoever, but we want to take control of it. You know, I found that most people that have these controlling tendencies some are usually very overwhelmed people. 
They bring a lot of stuff onto themselves because everything has to be a particular way. Everything has to be sorted out. And, and, and I found that even if you're not, you know, what I'm describing, more some OCD type tendencies, if you're not that way, you tend to have controlling tendencies in some area of your life. If you've ever seen this, there's some people that are really controlling when it comes to finances. They want to know where every penny goes. And then there's people that, the same person, when it comes to their kids, is kind of like, you know, whatever, case sera, sera, just let them go, have fun. The street is not that dangerous. I mean, I, I made it, you know, I, I made it. And it says, it says things like that. Or, um, you know, I I'm, I'm tend to be a little bit uh, controlling when it comes to kid behavior. Like, I want my kids to behave and not to embarrass me in public and those types of things. Uh, but when it comes to kids' safety, I don't tend to have as many rules. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's maybe just, I, I don't really, oh, he's climbing on top of the swing set. Yeah, whatever. You're probably going to break something at some point. You know, I'm, I'm just a little bit more that way. And my wife is the exact opposite on the, those factors. She's more on the safety side. And, and so anyway, um, it's just kind of funny how we tend to swing one side. Whoo, there we go. Um, and my control freak nature is making this microphone a little bit, okay, I got it. Um, but we've decided that we need to be in control on a lot of areas of our life. And God never intended for us to be in control of every little detail of our life. Um, yes, there's responsibility that we have, but we're not meant to take on everything onto our shoulders. And that's a, that's a weight that we were never meant to bear. And it's overwhelming to think that every little detail, that we need to have it all planned out. We need to have it all worked out. So when bigger things come up in life, oftentimes we say the words, the, three, the, the dreaded three-word phrase, I got this. You know, like, I got this. It's okay. I can handle this. I mean, my, my finances aren't going so well. Maybe they're a little bit upside down. I got this. It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Or maybe it's your marriage, you're going through a tough time right now and you just think, well, man, I, we'll figure it out. I, I got this. I got this. My kids are having problems in school or, or maybe it's a more serious thing. It's more like, you're, you know, somebody you love is diagnosed with a terminal illness. And even though you know that there's really not a whole lot you can do other than pray, seek medical attention, you know, you can do, there's only certain things that you can do. But you want to say, I got this. I can handle this. I got it under control. And we take on the problems of the world and we were never meant to take on that level of burden. Abraham in the Bible, we read about him last weekend, but Abraham in scripture uh, had this type of problem. He was a very controlling type of a person. And we see this in, in, uh, right away in the story of Abraham and Sarah. And again, we talked about it last weekend. But we see in Genesis chapter 12, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen as well. Genesis chapter 12, you can turn there. Starting verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's promise to Abraham. He's saying, man, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham is probably, you know, has to be thinking, what are you talking about? I'm almost, I'm in my 70s. My wife is in her 60s. We've never been able to conceive children. We can't have kids. What are you talking about? How are we going to be, you're going to make us into a great nation. We can't even have kids of our own. And it had to have been a little bit confusing. Even more confusing is when six years pass, still no kids. 
Still no sign. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, God, you've promised us this, but there's no sign of kids. And then we read in Genesis chapter 15, skipping a few chapters to verse 2, it says, but Abram said, and it's Abram and Sarai at the time. They later get their names changed to Abraham and Sarah, but it's talking about the same people. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the, world, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will, be your heir, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the, at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So he says, Abram, I'm, I'm still promising that you are going to have kids and, and they're going to be out of that lineage is going to come many great nations. I'm still having my promise. Just because it doesn't happen immediately doesn't mean that it's not going to happen um, at all. Well, four years pass, so now it's 10 years have passed. Still no sign of children. I don't know about you, but 10 years waiting on a promise of God, that would be very testing for me. As a controlling type of a person, I'd be like, okay, let's get on with it. I mean, I can barely wait like three months for anything, let alone 10 years for something. But it's at that moment that Abraham and Sarah have a moment of weakness and they decide to take things into their own hands. They decide to say to God, I got this. We got this. We'll figure this out on our own. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, I know I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, but it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed so, uh, to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And eventually you find out, you know, they have a son named Ishmael. And later on, the rest of the story is the fact that Abraham and Sarah do eventually have a child when Abram is, is almost 100 years old, Sarah's 90 years old, they do have a child named Isaac, and, uh, and, and God does hold up his end of the deal and does give them the promise that he had, had promised to them years before. But this line is very telling, and I think so often we can identify with this line that Abram and Sarah say. They say, perhaps, this is Sarah talking, perhaps I can build a family through her. Perhaps I can figure this out on my own. I know, God, you said that you would do it, but perhaps, eh, it's just not happening. Perhaps I can figure this out. They basically say, I got this to God. And there's still turmoil to this day because of that one decision. If you're a kind of a church history person, you know that out of the lineage of Ishmael come the Palestinians and out of the lineage of Isaac come the Jews. And there's still, to this day, a lot of turmoil between the two. There's a lot of turmoil at the time between Hagar and Sarah. And, all, and just, there's, I mean, just a house divided. And you can kind of read through the rest of the story. And many of you probably know some of the details of it. But there's turmoil because of this one decision that Abraham and Sarah say, we're going to take this into our own hands. And the question for us today, this is where you know, our story intersects with this story. The question for us today is, what area of my life am I trying to say, I got this to God? 
In other words, in what area of my life am I trying to have control? What am I trying to control right now in my life? I would say that most of us can probably think of some area that that we really know that we should just let go, give it to God, and yet we want to just hold so firm to it. We think that we can work out the details. Maybe it's uh, you're you're single and, and you know that God has somebody for you, has a good Christian person for you, but you think it's not just, it's just not happening. It's not happening on the timeline. It's not happening as quickly as I thought it would. And so there's this one person, I know they're not a Christian. I know that that, but man, maybe I could make them a Christian. You know, maybe I could kind of turn them into, you know, maybe I could kind of work on them a little bit. And so we take things into our own hands or maybe it's financially, maybe there's something, you know, that you can't afford, you know, that it's, it's something that you can't afford. And yet you think, well, man, I, I still think I could probably get a loan. I could probably figure something out. I could probably make it happen. I mean, have you ever been there where you're, you kind of force something uh, to happen? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's uh, simply an image thing that you're trying to control the way others think about you. You know, the, the, that the way your boss thinks about you, the way your neighbors think about you. And so you try to you know, kind of do these different things to control how they feel about you. What am I trying to control and once we kind of have that, that thing in mind, there's three questions that I think are so important for us to ask ourselves, for us to answer today. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, should I control it? Just real simple, should I control it? I think we often think that there, there's a lot of things in life that, that really aren't that big of a deal, but we think that they are a big deal. And we, instead of asking the question, should I control it, we just say, how can, how can I control it? Not should I control it. You know, is it really that big of a deal that your kids show up to picture day and their hair is just done perfectly? You know, is it that big of a deal if they, you know, they're going to mess it up. You just know that. Don't give them a comb because they're going to try to do something with it or whatever. And they're going to come back and their pictures are going to be, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is that really that big of a deal? Is it that big of a deal that your car is always clean? Well, yes, it is a, it is a big deal, you know. Is it really that, that, that big of a deal? I'm not saying that you, you should just you know, it just should be trash everywhere and who cares or whatever. No, I'm not saying that you don't take responsibility, but I am saying, is it really that big of a deal? And I'm speaking to myself on a lot of these issues. Is it really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal that our house, we have that perfect little house and that perfect little yard so we can impress people that we don't even really know or even like that much, but we just got to do it this way? Is it really that big of a deal? Five years from now, is it really going to matter that much? Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, and he just kind of puts it into perspective a little bit. Starting in verse 41, it says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I think so often we get worked up about details that really aren't that big of a deal. I, I, um, a couple years ago, I'm coming back to the car illustration because I like to have a clean car. 
And uh, for some reason, I care more about the interior than the exterior. I don't know. I just, I like the, because the interior I have to look at when I'm driving. I just want it to to look nice. I feel gross. I literally feel gross if it's messy in there. So I like it. I just, I can't handle it. And so um, a couple years ago, I found that having kids and having a clean car, they just do not mix well. It's like water and oil. And so um, a couple years ago, my, uh, one of my kids, who shall remain nameless, uh, spilled a cup of milk in our van. Just, <laughs> I'm like literally getting a little bit worked up about it right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like I'm getting a little bit anxious. But um, milk does not do well in summer, in work, worked into the carpet. And so I'm thinking, man, this is going to stink for a while. And sure enough, it was like four months of just stinky van, just terrible. Every time I got in the van, I was like, ah, can't believe this happened. Um, and, and I set a lot of rules after that moment. I mean, it was like no more milk in the van. That's, a, that's an eat rule number one. Um, and you know what? I, I can't say that I've mastered this area of my life that I'm like all over it now, but it has hit me very recently that you know what, there's going to come a day where I am, my, both of our vehicles are going to be spotless all the time. And that's also going to coincide with the day that I no longer have kids living at home. And so you know what, I'm, I'm willing to embrace the stink a little bit. That's what I call it, embrace the stink to say, you know what, it's okay. There's going to come a day where I'm going to wish that I had some crumbs all over my van. And I, hopefully I won't be driving a van by then, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> But there's going to come a day where I'm going to wish that there was, things were a little bit messy every now and then, that I'm going to miss not having kids around. Or, you know, we just put in a swing set a few weeks ago, and um, you know where the swings are that in, over time, and we just put it right on the grass. It's not in wood chips or anything like that. Over time, I know that there's going to be like a little trench where the feet go on the swings. And you know what? I've just resigned myself to the fact that, you know what, that's Okay. It's okay. There's going to come a day where that that grass is going to fill back in, but I'm going to wish that I had kids, you know, swinging out there again. And so I'm going to embrace that and say, you know what, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. We, in, in all seriousness, I think we do get worked up about things that really aren't that significant. We lose perspective on how important things are. First question we need to ask is, should I really control it? Is it, is it, is it really that big of a deal? Is it worth my concern. The second question that I think is important to ask is, can I control it? Can I control it? Should I control it is typically smaller details, typically. And can I control it is typically bigger details. We ask that question on bigger things. Can I control it? Another way of saying it, is it mine to control? Is it even my issue to be worked up about? James chapter 4 Verses 13 and 14, it says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Now I am all for planning. I'm all for responsibility. I don't think surrendering control is relinquishing responsibility. I do not think, I think we do have responsibility. However, I saw this quote this past week, and I thought it was so fitting. I actually read it a few times over because I was like, man, that's good. It said, a mind preoccupied with planning pays homage to the idol of control. Say that again. A mind preoccupied with planning pays homage to the idol of control. 
there can be a point where we cross the line from planning to controlling. And I don't know exactly where that line is. It might look a little bit different for everybody in here. But there is a point where we do have to say, there's only so much that I can do. And at the end of the day, the rest of it, I have to just give it to God. So when we ask the question, can I control it? Sometimes I would say, yes, you can. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes it's somewhere in between. Let me give you some examples. If you are trying to control a sin issue in your life, the Bible would say that, yes, we do have control over that issue. Yes, God is the one who ultimately has control over that, and, and he's the one that can help us. But the Bible also says that he will not tempt us in more, more than we can bear. He will not give us more than we can handle when it comes to, to temptation. And so, yes, we do have a lot of control. We pray that God helps us. We pray that he would give us some self-control, that he would help, you know, and there's other people in our lives that can even bring accountability and help us in different areas. But at the end of the day, yes, that is something that we can control. Finances and marriage, those types of things, oftentimes are kind of a 50-50 thing. That yes, I, there's part of it that I'm responsible for, but there's parts of it that I, I really can't control. In a marriage relationship, you can do all that you can do, but you can never control your spouse. There's part of it that you just have to give to God and say, I can, I can do this much, but I can't, I can't do the rest. I'm going to have to rely on God. So if we answer the question, should I control it or can I control it? If we answer no to either one of those issues, then we need to ask a third question. It's this, will I control it? Will I control it? And so often, uh, this, is, this is where I think a lot of people go wrong, myself included, that we know that we either shouldn't control it, it's really not that big of a deal, or we know that we can't control it, it's out of our hands, yet we still try to control it. We still say, yes, I will control it. And I'm just going to tell you when you're in that position that you're, you know you shouldn't, you know you can't control something, it's out of your hands, and you still try to control it, you will always be overwhelmed. You will always be outmatched. You will always have anxiety. I mean, the Bible even says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Essentially, it's saying that if you try to control details that you have no control over, you will always be anxious. You'll always be stressed out. You will always be overwhelmed. But when you give those to God, the Bible says that you will have the peace that passes all understanding. And today, that would be my prayer for you. That would be my prayer for myself, that in areas that we're trying to have control, that we would simply say, God, I'm going to do everything that I can do. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give the rest of it to you. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to plan as best I can. But at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the Bible says. I have no idea. I don't know what curveball is going to come my way. I don't know how the story is going to end. So I, there has to be a certain amount of it that we say, God, the rest of it is yours. Can I change my spouse? Can I control my spouse? It's not a trick question. Some of you are thinking about it. No, you can't. You can't. You can love them. You can pray for them. You can go on date nights. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, 
But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't change their heart. Can I heal somebody who's sick? You know, the Bible says that through God we can, that God has the power of healing, but we don't on our own. I mean, we can, we can seek medical attention. We can seek wisdom. We can pray for them. But at the end of the day, the rest of it is in God's hands. Can I control my future? The answer again, no, we can't. We can't control our future. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in life. We can pray. We can get wisdom and counsel from other people. We can plan ahead, but we can't control every detail. And maybe it's, it's your past. You're trying to control something that, that's already happened in your past. We can't control anything that's happened in our past, but we serve a God who can forgive We serve a God who can take bitterness out of our heart. We serve a God who can can do a lot more than we could ever imagine. You know, as we continue the story of Abraham and Isaac, I'm not going to read it, but just kind of tell you the rest of the story. Uh, Many years pass since Abraham um, had this moment of, I got this uh, with God. Many years pass. He has a son now, Isaac, and God tells him that he is to sacrifice his son Isaac. I mean, I, I just, if you try to put yourself, I know contextu- contextually it's difficult to put ourselves in that position, but can you imagine something that God had promised to you years earlier, you had struggled through and, and, and finally you saw that promise come to fruition and now God is telling you that you are to, to make a, a sacrifice and it's this son Isaac. I can't imagine but Abraham is a lot more wisdom now. Um, he has learned, and I, I have learned the same thing, that the older you get, the more you're just like, man, I, I have very little control <laughs> over a lot of details. I mean, I'm, I, I turn 30 next week, and can I tell you I'm a lot wiser than I was a few years back? And by the way, just can I tell you, I went to get my hair cut recently, and they asked me if I wanted my eyebrows trimmed, Okay. <laughs> That's a sign that you are getting older. I had a guy last night say, they ask, they ask you when you're my age if you want your ears trimmed. So that, that's, I'm not quite there yet. I digress badly. But Abraham had gotten a little bit more wise. And you know, he, he, he said, well, I remember last time I tried to take control. It has not worked out. There's still turmoil over that one decision. And so this, you know, God, I don't understand it. I don't have all the answers. Everything in me wants to say no, let me take control of this issue, but I just got to give it to you. And they're walking up the mountainside. It's a three-day journey, the Bible says. And on the way, uh, you know, Isaac, this little boy, says to his dad, Dad, where's the, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? W- where is it? And Abraham says to him, the Lord will provide. And he just, they keep walking. They get up to the top of the mountain. Can't imagine the range of emotions Abraham's feeling. He lays his son Isaac on the altar. The Bible says he had fire in one hand and a knife in the other. I'm not trying to get graphic, but this is, this is literally the circumstance. Abraham raises the knife, is about to do what God has asked him to do. And an angel of the Lord shows up in that moment and says, stop, don't lay a hand on him. And they look over and they see a ram stuck in the bushes and they say, that, that's, the, that's the sacrifice. I just wanted to make sure that you feared God. Just wanted to make sure that you, that, you, that you really trust in me. And for so many of us today, 
I believe that's the, that's the place we need to get to. There's no, regardless of if it makes sense or not, or regardless of if we can put it on a budget sheet or a, a plan, that we say there's some things I just can't control. There's some things I just got to give to God. There's some things I just have to say, God, I'm, I'm completely helpless without you. So whatever, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I'm sure there's a wide range of things that, that people in this room that, you're, that, that you would say, yes, I'm, I know I'm trying to control this issue in my life. And maybe it's a little thing. Maybe it's just kind of like some of the things I talked about at the beginning. It's just, you, it's clean cars and it's, or, or whatever. You know, maybe it's just something small, but can I challenge you with that and, and say that, um, you know, I've had a relatively privileged life in the sense that I have not walked through a lot of difficult circumstances. I just, I haven't, and I thank God for that. But there is going to come times where I am going to walk through some really hard, difficult circumstances. I'm sure of it. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It says there, the Bible says there will be trouble in this world, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And how we respond to those little things is so telling of how we're going to respond when the bigger things come. I'm going to close with this today. Uh, there's a prayer that many of you have probably heard this prayer before, heard it in different, different settings, but it's called the serenity prayer. And the words of this prayer, I think, are absolutely incredible. They, they really um, sum up. And I, I pray, pray that this prayer would be our prayer today. It says this, God, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I, I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Just before I pray, I just feel compelled that if, if, if you're in this room today and you would just say, Ryan, what you're talking about, man, I know that I struggle in this area. There's something right now specific that I'm trying to control and I just want to, rather than try to control it, I want to give it to God. Would you just wherever you're at in this room, or Germantown, West, Appleton, would you just slip up your hand and say, that's me right now. I know I'm just controlling. Just hands, hands all over the room. You can put your hands down. I just want to pray for you today. God, we thank you that you hold the world in the palm of your hands. That God, that while we don't have wisdom to see into the future, that we don't have we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. God, we have to give it to you. We have to trust in you. God, I pray that no matter what area of our life we're trying to control, I pray that today would just simply be a reminder that we can't, we can't control everything. We shouldn't control everything. And the question for us today is, will we control? Or will we give it to you? Will we allow you to have control? It's a very vulnerable place to be, God, is when we take our hands off of the steering wheel. But God, I just pray, I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the courage to do that, the wisdom to do that today. 
God, we give you control. We give you control. In your name we pray. Amen.